Good morning. It's good to see you all this morning and good to be in worship with you this morning. So I got a question I want you to ponder with me here for a moment. What brings you joy? What brings you joy? Now, many of us might have an answer that just springs right to our mind right then. As soon as that question is asked, we have that answer. In many of us, it might take some time to maybe sit and dwell and think on it and maybe dig just a little bit deeper and think about what it is that brings us true joy. And many of us actually might not come to an answer today or anytime soon to that question of what brings us joy. But my hope this morning and in the days ahead is as we journey together through the scripture that we'll we'll read in a moment, that we will come to an answer of what brings us joy. And my hope is that as the body of Christ of this congregation of the local church here, that we can come together and figure out what it is that we are doing that brings us true joy in Christ. Now, some of you may also be asking this morning, all right, you ask what brings you joy, but maybe you're asking me back, what's the definition of joy? What does that even mean? Is it just a smile on your face? Is it a time of laughter? Is it a time of those moments of extroversion? If you're an introvert like me, it takes a lot to get out there. Is that what joy is? Is it when we're at home and content? Well, in the dictionary, it means a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. But in light of our scripture today, I submit to you that joy and happiness may not be synonymous. They may help and benefit one another, but they are not one in the same. And we're going to get to that point in just a moment. As we look uh, first, though, at the Apostle Paul's word, to the church at Philippi. And we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Hear this word. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. I often get criticized in my sermon writing that I ask way too many questions, right? We're not even half a page through here, and I've already asked you several questions. And in the critique, it's that I give very little answers (laughs) to these questions. So keep that in mind as we go forth. 
You may have to think on these things as we leave today. But remember, I've already asked you, what is joy? What is the definition of joy? And why would we think joy and happiness are not interchangeable words? Now, the first question, what is, what brings you joy, we sort of have to answer on our own. The second question, the definition of joy, well, that's answered for us. Joy is a feeling of great pleasure and happiness. And the final question is, why are joy and happiness correlating terms with one another, yet are not interchangeable or synonymous? One can be happy and not joy-filled, and one can be joy-filled and not happy. Well, how does that come to be? Simply, if we continue to read and look back at what Paul is writing here to the church at Philippi. Now, many of you, let me answer this for myself here, many of you love sports. I love sports, right? And I especially love football. Now, this season in particular of App State football, I've not been very happy, but it still brings me joy. You as parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, guardians, and caretakers of children, many times you may be happy with them. Many times you may be unhappy with them. But through it all, they do bring to all of us joy. Us as children of God, I am sure we do many, many things in our lives that do not make God happy. We've already done it this morning, I'm sure. But guess what? I'm pretty sure that we do bring God joy. I mean, we do have a pretty good example of the lengths God will go to to bring us back into right relationship. Jesus Christ. And if we look specifically in this passage today, Paul here. Paul, imprisoned in Rome. Now we're not sure the exact time of his imprisonment here as during this uh, time of his writings, he was in prison at least three different times as he was writing uh, writing to the church. But Paul, imprisoned because of his missionary teachings of Jesus Christ, He may not be happy with the circumstance, but he still writes and pens many letters to the churches under the guise of joy because he knows Christ. Paul is writing here to this church specifically because they are going through a moment of turbulence. We've been there. I've been there as a pastor. We go through these moments. We have the church in Philippi who is still learning very early here what it means to be a church, what it means to do church, to worship, and to be unified in the name of Jesus Christ. And Paul is simply stating here, now I'm not happy 
with some of the circumstances of disunity that is happening right now among you. But that doesn't mean I don't have joy for the work you are doing in the glorious name of Jesus Christ. One commentator on this passage wrote, To see Paul doubly emphasize rejoicing at this point is no surprise. What is remarkable is to hear this from an imprisoned man. This means his vision of joy and rejoicing is neither superficial nor short-lived. It is a kind, firmly anchored in the Lord for the long haul, despite obstacles. Another commentator points out the fact that Paul, in his letter here, makes no less than five calls to unity in the span of four verses. He's calling the church to be like-minded, have the same love and spirit, reject selfishness and vanity, practice humility, and serve others. We have here in this passage this messenger for Jesus Christ, the Apostle Paul, in prison, writing words that are to help the church move forward in the mission that has been given to all of us to make disciples of all nations. And he is doing so with joy, even through his turbulent time of persecution and imprisonment. I don't know that we could do the same. Let's be introspective for a moment. Where are we today? What brings you, what brings us joy? Are you, are we happy and not joy-filled? Or are we joy-filled and not happy? Sorry, I got more questions. What spiritual imprisonment is overtaking your life? What is weighing heavy upon you this morning? What is hindering you? What is the roadblock in front of us that is stopping us from experiencing true joy in Christ Jesus as Paul describes? In the midst of encouraging the church to choose joy and rejoice, Paul continued, Do not be anxious about anything. Well, maybe anxiety and worry is the roadblock for us. This past Thursday, the college ministry Bible study that uh, meets here on Thursday, uh, I said Wednesday, Thursday, uh, meets here on Thursday nights with Pastor Vern. We've been looking through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in the Gospel of Matthew. And we read the last verses of chapter 6. Hear what Jesus says here. Jesus speaking, Therefore I tell you, stop being worried or anxious, perpetually uneasy, distracted about your life. Jesus said, and Paul reiterated the phrase in our, in our lesson today, Do not be anxious. 
Stop being anxious. That's easy to say, ain't it? That's easy to say and hard to do. If I were to stand here today and proclaim just this message, choose joy, be happy, don't be anxious, there's nothing to worry about. Man, we'd have it all made. But guess what? I don't think Paul nor Jesus is trying to tell us that we won't have these times of anxiety and worry. But I do think they are telling us that in those times of anxiety and worry, Jesus is present to bring peace. Paul moves into that a little bit later in this passage. But again, that's still easy for me to say and hard to do, hard to embrace and welcome. I was reminded in my study of this passage this week that The Mayo Health Clinic indicates that worry is the main contributor of depression, nervous breakdowns, high blood pressure, heart attacks, and early death. Essentially, stress kills. I don't think there's any denying that we live in a world that easily produces anxiety, worry, depression, and stress. But I had a friend in seminary tell me once, we were talking about worry or high blood pressure or depression or whatever it was. She told me, everything's okay, just just take a pill for it, it'll be all right. I say that uh, flippantly, but I don't say that flippantly. I share that because we must go deeper in our understanding of where joy can be found. And move us through effectively from anxiety, worry, non-joy-filled, unhappy, and disunity within our lives. Jesus continued in his discourse about worry, saying, But first, and most importantly, seek, aim at, strive after, God's kingdom and God's righteousness, God's way of doing and being right, the attitude and character of God, and all these things will be given to you also. Paul wrote similarly to Philippi, but in everything, every circumstance and situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, Continue to make your specific requests known to God. And the peace of God, the peace which reassures the heart, that peace which transcends all understanding, that peace which stands guard over your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus is yours. Do we claim this today? Will we claim that in our lives today? What brings you joy? What makes you happy? How do we move forward living a life that is joy-filled and happy? Because of the presence and the peace 
of Christ. I was reading a blog on the site, <clears throat> Compassion International. It's a child advocacy ministry. And there was a post about the difference between joy and happiness. And the blogger wrote, happiness happens to us. Even though we may seek it, desire it, pursue it, etc., feeling happiness is not a choice we make. Joy on the other hand, is a choice purposefully made. They continued, it's possible to experience joy in difficult times. It's possible to know joy or feel joy in spite of grief or uncertainty. Joy doesn't need a smile to exist. And they bullet pointed a list of things I want us to hear and think about. Listen to these. Joy is in the heart. Happiness is on the face. Joy is of the soul. Happiness is of the moment. Joy transcends. Happiness reacts. Joy embraces peace and contentment waiting to be discovered. Joy runs deep and overflows while happiness hugs hello. Joy is a practice and a behavior. It's deliberate and intentional. Happiness comes and goes blithely along its way. Joy is profound and scriptural. Don't worry, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. Happiness is a balm. Don't worry, be happy. Joy is an inner feeling. Happiness is an outward expression. Joy endures hardship and trials and connects with meaning and purpose. We see that in Paul. A person pursues happiness, but chooses joy. Choose joy. Friends, again, I know it's easy to say, choose joy. It's easy to leave that with you, right? It's easy to say, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. It's easy to say, don't worry, don't be anxious. And I know that it is hard to leave here today, maybe with some sort of conclusory statement on what's next and on the moving forward. But the one thing that Jesus Christ and Paul stating again for us today what they share with us. And that is to believe in the remarkable power of true prayer in which we can find God's peace. Through the midst of the things of life where we do not want to choose joy. Where we don't want to find joy. 
where we want to just give up and walk away. But I encourage us all today, as we move forward into this busy season of life, take time, truly, take time to reflect on the joy that you have sought and proclaimed each and every day. Take the time through the stuff of life that will bombard you to truly take the moment to thank God in prayer. And in prayer, ask God for the clarity needed to choose joy in Jesus Christ once more. I couldn't write it better myself, so I'll share the words from someone else. Theology professor Carol Dempsey. She wrote, Being engaged in active prayer, whereby one's needs are made known to God, and living a life of virtue that has gentleness as its cornerstone, the reward for living this type of life is the peace of God. And I think that's what Paul is saying to the church and us today. Through all of this stuff, no matter where we are in this moment of life, be joy-filled. May not be happy. Be joy-filled. Through all of this stuff, through all of this movement of life, through all the blockades that will easily come up and be barriers for us in relationship with Christ, choose joy. Pray about it. Truly pray about it. So that the peace that surpasses all understanding, as Paul writes, may come upon us all and be joy-filled. As we sing our closing song today, I want to remind you that the altar rails here, these places of prayer, they're open. They're here for you. And if you are seeking this peace, if you are again choosing joy and you want to share about that and you want to pray about that, me and Patty, putting her on the spot, me and Patty, and anyone else you want to share that with and pray with, my friends, we are here together to celebrate, to mourn, to journey, and to give thanks together as the body of Christ. Amen.